This is a special Halloween edition of Pod With Me. The pod has had some pretty eerie, spooky moments, and we're going to recap some of those. Stories from Alexis Reyes to the paranormal to what happens when we die. Yes, we're recapping some of our best episodes uh, that have a lot to do with Halloween. Get ready, because this Podween episode starts now. Red of What's your most memorable encounter? What? My most memorable encounter. It would probably have to be. Um, I've had two. When um, my dad passed away. Um, there was this, I wasn't able to go to the funeral. Um, so there was this woman there and, uh, she was black. I'll never forget it. And heavy set woman. And I remember this woman came to me and told me, um, you know, you can come in and you can see him now. I know he's your father because you have his eyes. Uh, and I asked her, who was she? And she told me she was, um, the embalmer. She worked there. You know. She's each, at the time she told me she worked there. She was black. She spoke only English, and um, she was a heavy-set black woman. Um, so I went ahead and I um, saw my father, you know, right being, being buried in front of me because um, everyone had left. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to go to the funeral for reasons I don't want to get into now, but it was something yeah. of a family kind of thing. And um, I saw him uh, years later. This came into my mind. Um, and I went back. I went back and I asked for my father's records. Well, my father wasn't embalmed by a woman. He was embalmed by a man. Wow. Yeah. So the lady that came up to you might was, have not been a real... Uh, no, she wasn't. Uh, she couldn't have been. There wow. was no way. Because when I went to them, I went personally. He was um, embalmed at Bernardo Garcia mm -hmm. on 40th. And I went there and yeah. uh, they gave me his records. And he was actually embalmed by a man. And the guy told me that there was never, they have never had a woman that's been an embalmer. So her message, what do you think her message was when she her, came to you? I think that her message, it wasn't a message. I just think she was allowing me to see my father in his last, Like you it, Like you should, like you yeah. should go. He never saw her again. I never saw her again. Um, but I keep on seeing this black woman sometimes, you know, and it doesn't look like her. It's just. You know it's her, but it, it, it's like. It's her, like another form. see the same number like 1111 again and again it's really important to understand that there are very few possibilities extremely rare to be exact to keep on noticing these same repeating numbers over and over again when this happens our cells in our astral bodies are synchronized with the universe we channel very important messages for us and our loved ones Messages we cannot receive in any other way. It's not a coincidence that you are seeing these numbers. I'm about to tell you what each of these numbers mean every time you see them over and over again. When you see 11, 11, 11, then you just received a very important awakening from the universe and the forces above. So when you see these numbers, stay alert for the next 48 hours as you're probably about to experience a karmic event. The number 11 also represents your intuition. 
When you see this, it encourages you to keep following your spirit. It's telling you that you're in the right path. And if you see this number, listen to your gut and your heart. Someone that grew up in a dysfunctional family. And guys, bear with us with this story. It's pretty difficult to listen to because you can tell the anger and hate he has within uh, while he's telling the story. And uh, But that's when he's thinking about you know, growing up and everything he felt. He's come out of it. And this is a story of survival from a dysfunctional family. What was the first signs that you started seeing that this is not right? First sign was I, I realized my brother decided to microwave a pizza at eight o'clock and my mom flipped out. She said it was quiet hours and all this and it wasn't even that, yeah. First time I'm like, okay, moms don't do this. She would always tell me and my brother this isn't a hotel. You know, most parents, they welcome their children back home or like, you know, the food in the closets, yours, it wasn't like that. It was more like, oh, you ate it all, replace it. It wasn't like that. So you had to pay for anything that you would eat at the house? Once we got to a certain age, yes. Yes. And um, you had to pay rent? Yeah, you know, um, my mom never worked after she got divorced. So even till today, she spent more than two decades of no work. You know, she kind of just takes advantage of the government. She well, she just, doesn't have work. She does it on purpose. She'll, she'll just kind of like finesse the system and take advantage. And what's your relationship with at uh, that moment in time how how was that relationship with you and your mom and how old were you and how this started happening the only time i set my foot down was when i was 25 26 no, hold on hold on what was the relationship with your mom mm -hmm. when all this was happening and that you first saw that this wasn't right what were the things that were going on between you and her a parent would try and talk to their kid right or try to be patient with their kid um this is an example i can come with um i'm not good at school I took four classes. I don't even want to do school. But um, I just failed one class. And for something so critical, and I passed the other one, she'd kick me out of the house completely. I have to go on Craigslist, find a place to stay, sometimes sleep on, sleep on floors. And you had no other family members to go to when she would kick you out? No, not at all. I mean, you gotta, uh, this is a time where like I'm just learning how to drive. and um, About 16? Yeah, and like our family's just kind of scattered. It's not, you know, we barely have any family here, and it's, it's we're not really connected like that. So it's a very on-your-own type of family, unfortunately. So the first time she kicked you out, where did you go? Tell me that experience. Sure, I went to a trailer park. I went to a trailer park, and um, it was like, I think it was like 450 a month or something. It was the, what I could afford. Literally five minutes away from my house. It's just in the Everglades, right? I would never, I didn't even know that place existed there. And there was like barbed wires on my window, you know, um, cat piss. There this, this lady had like 12, 11 cats. So it wasn't a trailer for you on your own? You had to no, share with somebody? No, I was, in, I was just in a room destroyed by cats <laughs> and you know the barbed wire in the window was just absolutely crushing like I'm, I'm trying to keep my dream of being a content creator and it's not like I'm doing this without any fans or I, I have movement I have engagement I well, have you, know? you, you didn't have the mindset at that moment because no, everything you were no yeah. what you were going through as being a content creator but I would have had so much content with that with living in that trailer I was kind of scared to tell the truth and this is the first time mm. anyone's really hearing some of this stuff you know my brother and like uh, my close friends know, but like, um, it's just something I, I don't like to talk about too much because I don't want people to feel sorry. You go back home for the first time after you lived in the trailer. What was that experience like? It's always amazing the first couple days, you know, that she, she's, she misses me and she's caring and then kind of dies down and then patience starts to wear 
um, cycle happens all over again where it's like this toxic, you know, like she just get really moody and be snappy. Even if you're asking, you know, hey, how's your day? She Sometimes she wouldn't answer me. I was like, okay, okay you know, like very emotional. Very, there's no emotional intelligence there. And uh, she's very scarred from her past. So like, it, again, it would just kind of repeat. And then I have to move out and I go on Craigslist and I find a house across the street to live even though my house is right it's still, it was just ridiculous or sometimes i try to stay at a friend's house but you know like uh, i had to sleep in my car one time it was she kicked me out at like 12 i forgot the reason i think it's i forgot the trash in the trash can and come on you don't kick a kid out for not taking out the trash you take away their xbox you know you don't take away uh, their room and stuff so um i remember i had to sleep in the car one time um yeah it was not fun very sweaty i barely slept actually i'm never going back to that again all right. Of and course. I lived in a retirement home too. Lived in a retirement. And what was that like? Horrible, horrible, horrible. I mean, every day I'd wake up and like there would be an ambulance of somebody passing away. <laughs> Signs that you are dealing with an evil person. Evil people are everywhere. When you see that they enjoy the misfortunes of others, you could be watching the news and there's a crash, or uh, someone died, or. You know, someone got a disease and you see, kind of you feel like they're enjoying what they're listening to or seeing. They have no remorse. They can care less what they did or how they make people feel. They don't care. When you let them know how you feel and aren't they sorry or whatever, they'll gaslight you and turn it all around on you. In reality, all they want to do is contain their current quality of life by controlling you. And an apology will indicate, well, they're not in control. They want you to see them as perfection to keep you wrapped around their little fingers. Evil people are often victims of the prisons they've built for themselves, which is why they take so much joy out of misfortunes and pain. It dulls the pain they have in their hearts. But that does not mean you're going to justify it or stick by evil people. An evil person has no sort of a moral compass. They'll do as they please and they never feel responsible for the pain they have caused others. If they sense any sort of blame coming their way, they will redirect that blame immediately. They love to shift the blame to others and have no understanding of what an apology is. And they'll probably make you apologize for their mistakes. If you're getting warnings from their family and friends, well, you know, that's a big sign. Many times they will actually tell you bluntly that you should avoid them at all costs. So if loved ones are tipping you off that this person is evil, that's a huge sign and a blessing at the same time. Manipulators. Usually they know how to manipulate you and oftentimes they're good to you only to get something out of you. It could be money, it could be something, but they're working on you, they're being nice, but at the end, they just want something from you. So did you think of anyone when you were listening to these signs? Be careful, they're probably evil. What happens to us when we're about to die? Those are questions that linger our mind sometimes, right? Well, I try not to think about it too much. How did I find this topic, guys? Well, I ran into this interesting interview with Dr. Peter Finwick, who's a neuropsychiatrist and an expert in near-death experiences. He's been studying them for years. Uh, the first thing that you may get is a premonition. 
and that means that you know you're going to die. So before you get the diagnosis, you learn in a dream, maybe, or it suddenly comes to you that you're going to die soon. A few weeks before you die, you get deathbed visitors. Now, what's a deathbed visitor? They are uh, relatives who come to you, and they do it in a specific way. They may stand outside the room in which you're dying, or they may come into the room, and that's quite common. Um, you, of course, will talk to them, and then a number of them will sit on the bed and talk to you. Why do they sit on the bed? Because it's enormously comforting to you to have somebody sitting on a bed. So it's mainly first-degree relatives. And we also found in our sample that spiritual beings were seen. Now, the spiritual beings behave slightly differently from the relatives. They tend to either wait outside the hostel, hospice, and they're seen through the window, or they may come to the door, and some of them come in. We, what we initially found was that you went into a different reality, a spiritual world, and then you came back again. So this was as if you were getting used to the spiritual world. So you went into it and came back and went into it and came back. And it was very important for the people who were dying. Now that is changing. And I want to talk about Monica Rentz's theory on this. She's just recently done uh, a dual hospice study. Now what she finds is that what we said was correct. Deathbed visitors come fine. Then, at some moment, you realize you're going to die and it hits you hard. We're not coming back, guys. This isn't a getting well process. It's a dying process. And that then uh, leaves you uh, in a very difficult position because you've never come across that before. You've always had some control over something. You now don't. And so you have to start giving everything up. This is absolutely fundamental. You have to give up the fact that you're going to go on living. You have to give up your wife, you have to give up your cat and your dog, you have to give up your children, your family, you have to give up your house and your job. You've got to give up everything. And if you don't, you remain attached. Now, attachment is the most difficult thing when you're dying. If you could give everything up, you'd have a very smooth transition. You go from this pre-transition where you're attached to transition, which is a sort of intermediate one to post-transition. And in post-transition, you in fact have given everything up. It's just like that. Until at the end, you've lost your ego, you've lost that part of yourself which has differentiated you, and you become what's called non-dual. That means that you do, in fact, merge with the universe. You've already uh, lost all your trappings of being a body and a person, and you've just got this non-duality which is merging with the greatest, greater cosmos behind. 
You've got many things which are much more important than that because you don't value death. Simple as that, and it's very important. Nothing strange about it, we're all going to do it, so we might learn about it. You have to really do your research because going to a psychic is just like going to a doctor. Some people really listen and believe in what we have to say, so how can I mislead you by lying? I, I, I am starting to put boundaries within myself. Yeah, but for some reason I see you somewhat feeling lonely. I, I said to her, but he loves you. I mean, this is what I just wanted to know, and I couldn't understand that. And she told me, you see, my son can't talk. He's never told me he loved me. Even now that she got a job, she's still negative about it. It's like, you can't, you, she has to learn how to take the negative and make it a positive. She needs to wake up and smell the coffee. In a world where we're up and going, energy keeps on going all over the place. Particular people in general, like I've, I've, I've looked because it's sad that you see these things, especially when they're doing things that they're telling you, you know, your mother's telling you this. That's so sad because the mother is not telling them that. And you have these people with emotions and crying and all that. I'm thinking to myself, that's not right. That's so not right. You know, if a mother's coming and telling you something, trust me, it's going to be something to protect you. It's not to tell you, hi, I love you and I miss you, by the way. You know, it doesn't work that way. If you're going to go to a psychic, do your background check, number one. That's very important. I always tell everybody, check. You know, there has to be some credentials. I mean, you look my name up and you know that I have, I've done major, case, major cases. Like the last case I did was find help find the boy from uh, Paris that was gone missing. If in your, in your kitchen the lights are flashing, it's your dad or your mom and stay around there. No, your lights could be flashing because you know what? You live in a high-rise building and so many people have the electricity and it may flash. Now, this is what it was. I had a... I had something to do with a TV uh, place, and um, there was this gentleman that went missing, a Spanish gentleman. I'm, I, I'm gonna say his name. His name is Jose Jose. Mm -hmm. Everybody told me that he was in Jackson. The singer? Yeah, the singer. Okay. Everybody told me he was in Jackson, and Jackson this, and Jackson that. And I said, I don't see him in Jackson. I see him in Jackson Hospital. Jackson Hospital. Okay. I see him in Core Gables. They went back. Coral Gables here Coral in Miami. Gables in Miami. They went back and um, they told me, well, Alexis, he's in Jackson. I said, uh, I don't see him in Jackson, but if you say he's in Jackson, he's in Jackson. Uh, they came back and they told me, oh, wow, you were so right. He actually is in Coral Gables. I mean, this is what I do for a living. I'm not going to tell you that the lights are flashing. You have to really do your research because going to a psychic is just like going to a doctor. This is the thing. Some people really listen and believe in what we have to say, so how can I mislead you by lying? Our guest brought some video that her home security camera caught on tape. I thought maybe it could have been a prank, but no guys, this is the real deal. And if you want to see the video, it's up on our social media sites. And the plot thickens as I get her help with psychic medium Alexis Reyes and her husband who is a specialist in paranormal activity. We get down to the nitty gritty on why this is happening to her. But I pulled in the driveway of the house and I parked on the side because I was going to wash my car. And when I noticed when I was looking through and I saw like there was something white on the table and then, then there wasn't, you know, that that's what made me go back and look at it. I sat in the car for a good hour um, just like... Adjusting the whole thing. Yeah, because, I, you know, you always hear about these things on TV. I'm a firm believer and yes, I do believe there's there's um spirits out there good bad you know i believe in, in on all that 
Um, but to actually see it, and I, you know, I know that there's nobody at the house. I know that, uh, you know, when it's your own home and, and you see this, it's like, okay, so my, my, my brothers aren't there. There's no way that anybody's playing any type of trick on me. There's nobody in the house. Um, and so it was just like, okay, is the bag, okay, it must have just blown off. But no, it's, it's obvious it sat there for nine hours. The bag that was, it was laying on, it doesn't budge whatsoever and then the dark area on the ceiling I cannot explain that it's it's not there now and it's the only time on the footage you can look back at the night before the night before that or even after and there's no dark area and nothing's been moved in the in the living room I just feel like weird all right Mel we're gonna need some help here I'm gonna call psychic and medium Alexis Reyes who also finds people for the FBI she's been on the show before and her husband Kike who is a specialist for paranormal activity, is also going to join us. It's a little stronger than the average paranormal, just so you know. When I saw the video, it's one of the most vivid videos that I've seen. Am I mistaken? I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's very, it's very good evidence. It's right there. It's yeah. there, you know. You do have a best friend a couple years ago committed suicide, correct? Yes. Uh, since um, 2016, yeah, he, he it was a murder suicide, you know. Okay. So. Let me interrupt you then. So let me get this right. He shot his mo- his 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 mother. He 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 sh- he shot a man, um, one of his friends, uh, in, in the chest uh, twice, and then got in his car and drove to his mother's where he lived. He had just moved back in with his mom, and he he walked in with a big shotgun and he shot and killed her, and then he went to the sister's room and killed her, and then turned the gun on himself and uh that will change that will change the whole dynamic of this is a a much deeper case and it's gonna it it it, it, this is a little scary so when you feel them around you it's just translating your mind you seeing it from that energy the thoughts and putting things into your mind so it's a pretty much the energy of the spirit depending on who he is or what he's done, or all his feelings may be transferred onto you being somebody that had contact in a human form. Mm-hmm. So the eclipse is happening to you itself because you're actually also thinking a lot about him. So that like, calls them. Like she's calling him because of her thoughts? Right. That calls them onto, you know, to you. It's like a, a door. <laughs> If you have not heard the complete episode of Paranormal Activity with Mel, I suggest you get to it. Anyhow, I hope everybody has a safe and happy Halloween. This has been a special Halloween edition of Pod With Me. <laughs> For more on Pod With Me, you can go right now to your app stores and download Pod With Me. We have our very own app. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, we're Pod With Me AJA. On Instagram, we're Pod With Me. If you are and have something important to share and you want to do it on the pod, you can email me at alex at ajacreativemedia.com. That's alex at ajacreativemedia.com. Until next time, don't fall off the pod. <laughs> <laughs>